everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. You're back for season three. Hard to believe we already have two full seasons under our belts, but we do. And now we're back for season three, which is very cool. We took a little break over the holidays. Uh, partly that was my fault, so I do apologize. I did actually have some uh, doctor's appointments that I had to go to. I had to travel for that. And uh, Ben had some scheduling issues, so we did take a little bit longer break than uh, we anticipated. But again, mostly my fault, so I take the full responsibility for that. So I'm sorry, but we are back, and we have a full season lined up for you. So we should go the uh, the entire year for 2022, which is awesome. And Ben's doing an amazing job finding some really awesome people out there to talk to. So give him all the credit in the world for all of our amazing guests that we have. But that being said, season three is, again, going to be sponsored by Madhus Nation. So please check them out, madusnation.com. They always have new shirts coming out. Really awesome people, awesome gear. You really can't go wrong buying their stuff because not only are you getting awesome apparel, you're supporting an awesome company, awesome people. And, you know, Ben and Lindsay really do their best to give a lot to charity. Even though they're a smaller company, they made it a point, even from the very start, to, to give back as much as they possibly could. So you're not only supporting a small business, you're supporting a veteran-owned company, and you're also supporting local charities and national charities that uh, Ben teams up with, Ben and Lindsay. So so please support them because they do really support a lot of other people in the community and, and elsewhere. So please support Modus Nation. Go buy some stuff and use our special promo code, Nothing Owed, for a special discount on the gear on the ModusNation.com website. So please, ModusNation.com, use promo code, Nothing Owed. And also wanted to give a big shout out to Winfield Watch, Mark Miller. He has some new designs that are just com- just awesome. He has some automatic designs that just came out just a month or two ago. So please check out Winfield Watch. And last but not least, please check out Cranky Veteran Candles. They have been super busy. And every time I check in on their social media, they're always, always talking about how busy they are and all these new designs that are coming out. So please order some candles. I know we've said it before, but in case you're new to the show and you haven't heard of us, talking about Cranky Veteran, you're getting awesome candles. Again, you're supporting another veteran-owned company, and you're actually getting a, a healthy candle. Because one of the things they talked about when they were on the show is most candles you buy have a lot of toxic material in the candle, and as you burn it in your home, you're releasing all of that all that toxic material into the air. And Cranky Veteran Candles doesn't do that. They use all natural materials, so it is actually, if you could say, a healthy candle. Please don't eat it, but you know what I mean. It's a, a much better alternative for as far as candles go to burn in your home. So please check them out. Cranky Veteran Candles, Winfield Watch, and Modus Nation. And now let's get to the show. I know you guys are going to like this one. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. As always, we have another awesome guest for you. Uh, we have Christian Cotolo here. He is a firefighter in Nevada. Uh, he's an awesome dude. We've been chatting for a while. Uh, I know you're going to like this episode. Uh, great dude. Uh, we're uh, really, really glad he's here. So we're anxious to uh, to hear your stories. Uh, but uh, before we turn it over to Christian, as always, got to say hi to Ben and check in with him and, and see what's new. So Ben, how you doing? What's new? What's going on? Oh, man, it's been good. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Yep. This is our first episode of the year, season three. That's right. Uh, super excited. Um, Christian and I have, have uh, become friends over the last, last few months. Great dude. Works with a bunch of cool dudes. Um, Big supporter of Ma Deuce, 
he's got he's going to have some funny stories for us and and hopefully some information for anybody out there wanting to to uh, become a hero, uh, not a cop. Um, so <laughs> we like police officers too, but you know, firemen are heroes. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about season three. We've got, uh, you know, some great guests lined up, um, to, uh, to get going here in the new year. So I'm excited. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. It should be good. Have a, a full year ahead of us. Hopefully no, uh, major disruptions. So it uh, should be a good year. Definitely looking forward to it. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Christian. Um, Christian, if you don't mind, introduce yourself. Give us a little little background, um, kind of where you came from and how you got where you're at, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So Christian, it's all yours. Sweet. What's up, everybody? Uh, my name's, like Brian said, Christian Cotolo, 29, fireman in Las Vegas currently. Uh, got into the fire service when I was 22. Actually started out at a different department than I'm at currently. Uh Working for a uh, a little bit smaller department in uh, Nevada called the Nevada Test Site. Uh, people might hmm. might know what that is. They uh, back in the fifties and sixties they did a bunch of the nuclear testing there uh, back in the day. So started my career there and then moved back in town. They uh, still have a department out there. Yeah, they do actually. It's a two station apartment. Great little department, man. They uh, they're kicking ass. So what are they, I mean, what's the mission out there? I mean, what's, so they support the, uh, they support the nuclear mission for the United States. So the nuclear testing mission. So, uh, the department, they're there pretty much to keep everybody on site safe, you know? So uh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that existed. That's as a Vegas resident. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like a federal government. What's that? I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that a federal government? Um, position or is that yeah so it's ran it's ran by the department of energy the doe and uh but i was technically a contractor so what happens is they uh the doe sells a contract to a company every five ten years however it goes like eg and g i'm sure you guys have heard of them they held the contract right before i got there and then another conglomeration of companies held it after called ns tech that's who i actually worked under and then now it's mission support and test services. So oh, okay. It's a it's a group of like Honeywell, Lockheed Martin, like there's a bunch of big like national security players that like come together, buy the contract, and then run the site. That's so cool. now did yeah. you grow did you grow up in Vegas? Yeah, I did. I was born and raised here. So. Born and raised, okay. That's yeah, a rare born, thing anymore. Born and raised in Vegas. I graduated from Sierra Vista, uh, Mountain Lion, baby, let's go. Oh boy. <laughs> Played baseball there um and football. And then after high school, I went off and played college, college ball for two years at Lasting Community College in Susanville, California. So super north, like right on the Cali, Oregon border. Um, so I did that for two years, realized that I wasn't as good as Bryce Harper or any of those dudes still playing <laughs> that I played with when I was a kid. So I came home and got a real job, unfortunately, but fortunately. So can't complain. Got a better job, honestly. <laughs> Just yeah. less less pain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so when I came back, I actually started, I got my EMT certifications and all that stuff through uh the College of Southern Nevada CSN in town. And then I got hired at uh AMR right out of school. So I worked at AMR for about a year and a half, almost two years before I uh 
got up to the test site. So got on the ambulance, ran a ton of calls with AMR and did all that stuff, private, private EMS. So basically all we in, in Vegas, like the way the mission goes, like fire and EMS, it's uh, a dual service. So you get fire department and private EMS, depending on like the level and the type of call. So, excuse me, and where you're at in the city. So I worked for AMR. We ran all over the place. So, so how, I get it. I, how crazy is that being a paramedic in Vegas? I mean, is that just nonstop, just chaos oh, or what? It's nonstop. It's 24 seven. I mean, when they're like, oh yeah, New York's the city that never sleeps. <laughs> like, no, nah, man. At New York, you can't go find food at two o'clock in the morning. The pizza parlor shuts down. But in Vegas on the strip yeah. at two o'clock in the morning, when you want pizza, guess what? There's like 30 spots open. Yeah. 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 You can so, not, not only can you get a slice of pie, but you can get uh, a five star steak with all the booze, you know, walking yep. down the street with a six yep. foot uh, margarita funnel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't, like, put, they don't put a lock on the liquor cabinet like no. they do other places. You that's know. interesting. So would you say, cause that's another thing is, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on the Las Vegas history bandwagon here, after the big MGM fire in the eighties, they like our County and our city changed. Like we have the strictest fire codes, right? Like in the country. Yeah. So, uh, and my fire history, I need to brush up on, I'm not going to lie, but yes. So like after that fire in the early eighties, uh, they pretty much rewrote high rise, like building fire code. I was going to say, cause that I was, was at, the, at the time for like a high rise. That was, it wasn't the most deadly fire ever. Cause there's been nightclub fires where like two, 300 people die, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. For like a high rise casino. Like that's like Vegas was kind of like the beginning of that. And yeah. So, so far fire. our listeners in the 1980s, I, I'm not going to throw a date out of there, but I think it was the mid eighties. I think it, I want to say it was 82. You could fact okay. check on that, but I think it was 1982. Okay. So early eighties. Yeah. It was um, the MGM 80. grand had a fire and mm-hmm. because of the fire code and the, and the, the way things had the code in the, the building permits and everything, the, some people got trapped um, in some, I know there was some firewall issues and some other things and, and, you know, in Las Vegas, tourism is everything. And so to prevent, you know, prevent people from being scared to get burnt down in a casino, um, I know they changed the code here. So my point is, do you see more, far more EMS calls than you do fire calls here? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm, I, I'll go on a limb and say that's everywhere. You know? Oh, really? oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah. I just think here it would be astronomically that difference would be astronomical in a big city. Like if you looked at any other city of our size, because, because we teared everything down, we don't have anything that's old that burns down. We tear everything down and rebuild it to code. You know, there's not a bunch of old buildings. I mean, there are old buildings, but not old buildings. Well, like here. If, you think, if you think of like old, like building wise, the city of Las Vegas isn't a, or like Vegas in general, isn't a old city. I mean, our fire department, volunteers started in the early 1900s yeah dny dates back to the early 1800s you know so and like boston and those places back east where they still have those buildings i mean there's there's buildings downtown that are 80 85 90 years old uh so like there there are some old buildings but like you said yeah a lot of that stuff they they tear it down rebuild it remodel it 
and then when you go through that process, the city has all the codes and all that stuff. Yeah. So you got to follow all the fire. Yeah. Well, like, what, about a decade ago when they had that fire at the, um, uh, where the, where the, uh, MGM park is now it used to be something else. Uh, I can't even think of it now, but, um, they had that fire up on the roof, like on the top. Oh, the Mirage. Yeah, yeah, the Mirage. No, yeah. no, it wasn't the uh, well, yeah, it was the Mirage. It was next mirage. door to where that is. Yeah. So the yeah. and they were able to like contain it in up there and like fight the fire up there. Like it was all contained and done with. Like, you know, everybody was kind of panicking when the news came. You know, they show the smoke going out of the thing, and they were like, ah, and then it was <laughs> over in 10 minutes because our guys went up there and contained it you know yeah so like that's all done through the building like the building itself does that yeah so like that's yeah. funny so okay so we'll get completely off topic here but uh so like those types of fires there was just one in new york two weeks ago 18 people died it's a, that center hallway so what happens is like it starts in one of those hotel rooms or an apartment so like the one in New York was an apartment. The one there was a hotel room. So what happens is those people, it catches on fire. They get scared. They run out. Well, the difference between New York and Vegas is all the hotels have self-closing doors. And what that does is when you get scared because your room's on fire and you run out, the door shuts, which keeps all the smoke, fire, heat, all that stuff contained in that one room. Now it can spread left and right into other rooms and break through firewalls and all that crazy stuff going that way. But those doors, the door is the most important thing because it doesn't get the smoke in the hallway. And then what, and then when the fire alarm's going off, the reason why everyone dies is it's not from the fire, it's from the smoke. So in New York, they had that center, that, that same center hallway. It was apartment building, 18 floors. They go out, the door, the person runs out of the hallway, their uh, space heater caught fire, lit up, whatever. Right, they right. run out of the, their front door because it's on fire. Well, they leave their door open. Well, the response time for any fire department is roughly three to five minutes, depending on where they're at in the jurisdiction. So, and especially something like that, it's going to take a minute once they get there to like- 18 floors, yeah. Well, yeah, and they figure out, okay, where's this thing at? What do we got to do? You got to wait for enough guys to go up there. You can't just go up there with three dudes and be like, all right, we're going to handle this. Like not, not with that. That doesn't work. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there, there's no, uh, there's no bull walking in there going, you know, with an ax and no mask. I got it. I got it. You go, we go, you go, we go. <laughs> Unfortunately, as cool as that movie is, I wish, but uh, no, that's not how, that's not how it goes in the real world. But yeah, man, like, so the, the smoke is what gets them. So that door, like on that fire in New York, they left that door open and it just, everyone just can't, got over overwhelmed by the smoke. And then there's the saying, the fire department, smoke kills you, fire makes you ugly. So that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, the, uh, that, and actually the MGM now, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but the MGM, when it burned down, was actually Bally's. So now, where the MGM is currently wasn't the building that burned down. Right. It, was it wasn't that same. It wasn't uh, Trop and No, Trop it wasn't. On, it was on uh, Flamingo, right? Yeah, Flamingo on the Boulevard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so different building. 
That's crazy. All right. So what's, yeah. what's the most common call? Like, what do you, what do you see the most of just day? Oh, it's def- definitely EMS. And I mean, that's, that's not just my department. That's every department. Uh, pretty I much mean, is, everyone in the U S is, is it like drugs, like alcohol? I mean, like, Oh man, it's, it, it honestly depends on where you're at in, in your department. Okay. So every department, de- depending on size, I mean, they're, in California, a lot of those departments, like besides like San Bernardino, LA City, LA County, a lot of those like like Cali is like such city based departments. Like, right. there's so like so many cities so close together where it's like okay, and I don't even I don't even know, but like Del Mar, which is right outside San Diego, has one station with an engine and an ambulance company. Maybe, well, right up the street is Encinitas. So like. You, like they're two different departments that literally are less than three miles away from each other. Whereas right. the department I work at, there's 21 stations and we cover roughly, I think 400 square miles. Okay. So wow. it honestly depends on where you're at. If you're in, if you're up in Summerlin, which is a, an area in Vegas, um, there's areas with like the 55 older community. Okay. You see a lot you. more of the elderly type calls. So like, I slipped and fall and I can't answer my door. Yeah. Falls, broken bones, just because elderly people, you know, when you get to your eight seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, you just, your body's broken down. You're you're more brittle, fragile. So stuff like that. Whereas if you're downtown, like in the homeless area, like the homeless corridor, you know, you're seeing just the homeless drunks, overdoses, a lot more of the like, you could, I guess you could say a little bit more crazy stuff, but I tell you what, I've had more crazy calls of super sick old people than I have super sick homeless people. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and honestly, it just depends, just depends on where you're at. Like my you know, station, we're like right in the, we're right in the middle of town. So we see a little bit of everything, you know, you get it, you get both. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's, an, there's a, good elderly population there's a decent homeless because we're right down the street from some big hospitals in town so there's a big homeless foot traffic population low income there's a bunch of rich people like it's crazy it's the most i i think it's one of the more diverse jurisdictions in in the in the city so interesting yeah for sure i mean i uh, I know where your station's at and you're right. There's, I mean, you got it from top to bottom. I mean, you got, yeah. I mean, you 10, could go $10 million house and you got a homeless yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. You could go and I can bring you in less than 10 minutes. I can bring you to a strip of apartments that are uh, unfortunately like low income, like housing area. And then I can take you 10 minutes the other direction and drive you around the neurosurgeon's house. That's the biggest neurosurgeon in town. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or Michael Jackson's old house when he lived. Right. There. You know, right. like it's, it's, we're in the same area. It's in that same like two mile bubble right there. So it's just so crazy because like one call we go in the house and I'm like, man, I shouldn't be walking in my like boots. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful home, you know, because they called cause their smoke alarms are going off or, you know, uh, they're sick whatever the case may be. And you're like, man, this house is like one of the most beautiful houses I've ever been. And then literally the next call, you're like dodging cat shit because it's just, that's just right. the way yeah. you live. So that's funny. So you said something interesting. So it, where does Las Vegas rank um, 
in the country on on municipalities with with that many stations. I mean, you mentioned a couple. I mean, obviously there's the FD or uh, the F. What is it? FDNY. Yeah. Um, they obviously are city. There's a city department. I'm sh- you know that has multiple stations. Chicago has multiple stations. I know, yeah. but like, I mean, where does Las Vegas rank? Honestly, yeah. Vegas is uh, like as a whole. So in Vegas, there's four major fire departments. There's Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. There's, excuse me, the Clark County Fire Department, Henderson Fire Department, and then North Las Vegas Fire Department. And then we have two like outlying cities, Boulder City Fire Department and Mesquite Fire Department that are like right on the borders of Vegas. So like, so I talked to some people and I'm good friends with people in FDNY and I went there this last year for 9-11 and uh, it's incredible because like you can go to like those big events like 9-11, St. Patty's Day is another big firefighter like holiday that we celebrate downtown and whatever. And you can walk up and I'll walk up and down the street and I'll see fuck 75, 80 people that I know, you know, whereas like when we went with my buddies in FDNY on 9-11, like they're just like, they have no idea who some of these people are because that, so in the, in Southern Nevada, there's about 3000 firefighters. FDNY alone has 10,000. Yeah, New room. York's New York's not a good. Compa- I guess New York's not no. a good comparison. But I mean, but even LA, like LA City and LA County, are massive fire departments as well. Are you know? they? But okay. The populations there, so they they're they're city and county. So they're that's in that huge area, you know. Whereas we have four essentially in in ours, you know. Right. And right. Clark County's the biggest uh, in Southern Nevada. I think they have just maybe thirty or thirty-one stations now. Um, oh, I didn't realize the county was bigger than the city. Yeah, the county's bigger than the city. I mean, I know the county's bigger than the city, but I didn't yeah. realize the department was bigger. Yeah, than- <laughs> yep. So the county, the county is, is bigger than the city um, by about ten ish stations. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so when I was growing up, and I think you know this about me, and I know our listeners do, I loved the movie Backdraft. I wanted to be a fireman from the day. Like I, I ended up going in the army the first time I went in. Um, well, when I went in the army, I actually tried to get the firefighter MOS, um, and they had just taken that MOS out of the, the, the stable and they, they were, you know, at the army post, they were hiring the local fire departments to handle the, the army post. And so I couldn't get it. And I ended up having an amazing career doing some cool stuff, but I grew up watching bull and his, you know, like I just mentioned, um, and uh, I had a buddy when I, so I grew up part of my, my teenage years, I spent in the St. Louis area and my, I had a friend in high school and his, his uncle was a firefighter in Chicago. And so when I was probably, I was probably 17, we drove up for St. Patty's day, dying the river green. And we went to this, we went to this bar where his uncle was at with all these firemen and, uh, we got to sit like on the truck, on the top of the truck and like watch as, you know, they had a truck parked in front of their pub and as the parade went by kind of thing. And, and, uh, there was nothing but cops and firemen in this pub. And, uh, I was getting a lot of green beer as a 17 year old and didn't get <laughs> carded once. <laughs> I, Sounds about I, right. 
Yeah, I think my buddy puked <laughs> off the side of the truck as, you know, as the parade goes by, you know, it was kind of funny just like sitting there, you know, and they're like, here, what do you want? What are you drinking? And both of us are like looking around, you know, there, uh, there's several police officers like within arm's reach of us, you know, and they're like, what yeah. are you drinking? You yeah. Know, like, all right, let's have at it. But uh, yeah. So did, were you like me? Did you grow up wanting to be, I mean, obviously you wanted to be a baseball player, but did you grow up knowing you were going to be a fireman? Um, honestly, I, yeah, I, I believe so. Like a lot of people will say, oh, bullshit. How do you know? Um, but like when I was a kid, my mom, my mom is still a nurse. Um, and in the early eighties, she had just got out of nursing school and uh way before i was born and north las vegas fire department was actually starting their paramedic program and what she did because they didn't have any medics they needed people to precept the medics so what they did was they had the er critical care nurses help with like some precepting stuff so my mom did that so when i was when we were super young she was like oh you know you guys like play team sports and stuff you should look at being firemen to me, I have three brothers, you know, so she like said that and I was like, oh, that that'd be cool. And what little kid doesn't think firemen are cool? I thought firemen, cops, all of them were cool. You know, yeah. I was always drawn to that type of work, you know, and then my uncle, he's a cop and my aunt, she's a fireman. So it's crazy because he married her and now her and I work on the same fire department. So... <laughs> It's crazy how That's like cool. it all comes full circle, but you know, yeah, I, th I think so. I remember I took a, uh, I remember taking in high school, we took, I, th I think it was an English class or something. And they like did this big career thing like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to put this in a box. And then when you guys graduate, like you'll get it from me. And it's like, what do you want to do? Because you know, in like in high school, I think I need mean, sophomore year, we 14, 15 years old. So yeah. I, they're like trying to like get you in that mindset, like thinking like, Hey, college is right around the corner. You want to go to school and study something that's going to interest you, blah, blah, blah. You know? So I wrote down, I swear to God, I wrote down, like, I'm going to be a firefighter and sure as shit. When I got the box back senior year, there it was my handwriting. Um, I went away for two years and played baseball and that school offered fire classes but it was right during like baseball time. So unfortunately I wasn't able to take any while I was there. So when I came home though, like I, I that's the first thing I signed up for was CSN's school. And I did all my EMS stuff, all my fire stuff there. And then thankfully I had the right search to get hired out at the test site to get my career started. But uh, yeah, man, I, I honestly like people, I mean, I've listened to a ton of podcasts. You listen to some of these guys like Seals and Green Berets and all this right. stuff. And like, I don't even want to start to compare myself to those dudes because they're like extremely next level. But they're like, yeah, I, I, I thought that I wanted to do this forever or ever since I could remember. And, right. you know, we would go on vacations and stuff and me and my dad would be just driving and there'd go a fire engine. I'd be like, man, I can't wait to do that when I get older. And he's like, you're fucking nuts, dude. Like, do you understand, do you understand what those guys do? And of course I didn't, I didn't have no idea. You know, nah, all nah, I knew nah. was what you see on TV and all the shows and backdraft and all, all that stuff. That's all I, I still, knew. I still call BS on that, man. Like, I think, I think you're running into buildings with the ax 
and just uh, Dude, no mask so, on. Hey, like, I'm not even joking. Jacket, so. jacket open, just running through your hair, flowing through the fire. And My smoke. luscious locks. Yeah, grabbing out two people at the same time, running back out, and then lighting up a cigarette as you come out of the smoke. <laughs> That's exactly what happens every day. I know it is. I wish we were that cool, but if, if people told you they were – they're probably fucking lying. I'll be honest. <laughs> Kurt Russell is the greatest <laughs> firefighter of all hey, time. So, true story. A hundred percent. Swear to God. True story. My first academy, we were doing some forcible entry training and my, the captain teaching our academy, there was five of us in there and no bullshit. He gave me the nickname baby bull. Cause I was oh, so young. I told and, you, I knew it. I knew it. And I swear to God, I I'll give you his phone number. You could get him on the podcast. I swear I to God. <laughs> I just went to a retirement. One of the guys up there just retired and we went to the, the retirement party. And that was the first thing he said, baby bull, what's up? So dude, I knew cool. that was you. The, from the moment I met you, I was like, this dude is the Kurt Russell of the Nevada I don't, I don't of firefighters I'm- in Nevada. <laughs> I don't this think I'm, I'm that cool. I'm just a big dude that isn't afraid to run through things. So I All don't right, know so if I'm <laughs> as cool as Kurt Russell, but I'm not afraid to break some stuff. So what I'm getting from this conversation is that Backdraft and even the TV show Rescue Me are completely accurate representations of the fire service. Honestly, so. honestly, Rescue <laughs> Me, the TV show of all the, the shows, I've I've seen episodes of, of most of them. Yeah. I don't want to say all of them, but uh rescue me is honestly the closest thing to it like dennis leary the guy who uh, is the producer and like he's the main character in that show like he is like i obviously he's an actor but he is through and through for the fire department he has organizations and charities and all kinds of stuff that give back to the fire department like that is his thing you know so he like when he did that show like he had the right technical advisors and all of that stuff that got it a hundred percent. Right. You know, like obviously Hollywood does get involved a little bit, right. but like how they act around the station yeah. and the, the crazy jokes and the crazy pranks, right. All of that stuff. You know what the best part about rescue me, uh, rescue me was well done. I've, I've seen it from start to finish. I'm obviously I've yeah. watched every firefighter, you know, show on the planet. Cause I'm a wannabe, but <laughs> the, uh, but the, uh, the best part was is that the dude that's on the Allstate commercials, the um, oh mayhem, yeah, Mister yeah. Mayhem was his yeah. brother, his brother-in-law yep. or whatever that he was a cop, and yep. they were always fighting about what did they call him? So they would say the cops were something and the firefighters were heroes. They had like an ice hockey game and it was like the heroes versus the something like and it was like a negative term for the cops. And he was always fighting with that mayhem guy from. From the Allstate commercials, that was the best. Oh, man, it's funny. We run with the cops constantly, and I'm going to let one of our secrets out of the bag here, but uh, we carry stickers. You know, the junior fire chief stickers that you give out to the kids? Yeah. So we constantly are running with the cops. That's that's what you gave me the other day. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not a real badge. I thought I was like... <laughs> Hey, well, I, I thought I was getting a call tonight, man. I yeah, have my radio on. I'll get you a radio too. You you could you could get the feeling what it's like not to sleep for twenty four hours like the rest of us. <laughs> <That's> true. So <laughs> but, uh, you, you anyways, give it to the cops? No, we don't give it to them. We try to 
sneak and put them on like their cruisers. Wow. <laughs> but there are little stickers on their cruisers. I love it. Fire chief stickers. Yeah. That is awesome. But they do the same shit to us. We've gotten back to the station and walked around the, the engine and there's like a Metro, like junior fire sheriff or, or fire sheriff, junior sheriff sticker or whatever, <laughs> you know, like their cop sticker says. So that's awesome. It's just a constant. And I, it's the brotherhood, man. Like we respect most of us can't say with all of us, most of us respect those dudes. And that, that feeling is completely mutual. I haven't, I haven't had too many run-ins with, with the local cops down here and had a, had a negative experience, you know? So actually, you know what, our department here and, and, you know, obviously I'm pro firefighter, but I'm not anti-cop and, and I would say that our, for a bigger city, our, our police department, both the sheriffs and, and the Metro guys have a pretty good reputation. I've never had, and there's always crap, right? But I would say, I mean, over the last couple of years, we've heard terrible story after terrible story. Um, And, you know, in Las Vegas doesn't, uh, not that we don't have bad apples, but we generally have good outcomes. Um, You know, we haven't experienced a lot of the things that, you know, LA and, some of the other places are experiencing. So yeah, knock I think on they have, yeah, knock on wood. I think they have some good leadership at the top. And, yeah. and um, like I said, I think, I think Las Vegas for whatever reason um, is a little unique for bigger cities or, or I shouldn't say, cause we're really not that big of a city, but yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it's really not, we're not area is not that big. But. Yeah. We're, we're not, but I think, I think our community, the people that actually live here um, take pride uh, you know, and, and kind of come together on a lot of things, a lot of issues that in other places, it doesn't happen as well. Yeah. I think, I think even the dissenting voices here on the right and the left, I'll just, you know, for lack of a better term, are willing to compromise and come together when we need to come together. And it's, it's actually a good quality of Las Vegas. You don't get, you don't get a lot of the issues that we've seen knock again knock on wood that we've seen over the last couple years so kudos to the leadership uh, of our city but it's a rough job that job and they're doing a bang-up job at it yeah it's tough i being a police officer in the united states today other than maybe being a a school teacher is probably the toughest job yeah out there well i got a question for you speaking speaking of that so my uh, nephew he's probably about your age he works for riverside city out here in california and Fire, yeah. Okay. And we were just talking one day, and he brought it up, and I didn't even think to ask him, but he told me, he said, they are actually having a hard time recruiting new firefighters. And I was yeah. I was shocked because, you know, I'm a little bit, well, probably 10 years older than you, but uh, if for as long as I can remember, getting a firefighter job was one of the hardest things to do because, you, like you said, you had to put yourself through all this, all the schooling. You had to actually prove yourself before you even got close to applying for a job. And even then, when these jobs opened up, there were thousands of people that were applying for a, a couple spots. And he was telling me they're they're hiring people that just quit. They're like, I don't want to do this. They're like, yeah, this is too hard. And he was describing all the things that they can't do now. Like they there's hazing, like there's certain rituals that you would do to the new guy. They're like, we just don't do that anymore because this new crop of, I don't want to say kids, but like this new generation come up, they just don't want to work. And I was shocked. It's like, he's like, we have, we have openings for the first time, like, and ever 
And I'm, I'm curious, you seeing that out by you guys? Like, is that a nationwide phenomenon or is that just out here in California? Well, first, first, let's make the official statement that in the Las Vegas uh, fire, uh, fire department, the uh, Henderson Fire Department, Boulder City, Mesquite, North Las Vegas, and Clark County, there is absolutely no hazing. I'm going to make that clear right now. <laughs> thousand nev- percent. Of course That not. never happens. Um, nope. probation, not here. Probation fire, probationary firefighters are treated with absolute respect. Yep. Um, so let's start there. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sorry. But I hypothetically, the wrong terminology. It's hypothetically follow on training. <laughs> hypothetically, like, is there any like story or, or anything that you've heard about some hazing that maybe you could mention? <laughs> uh, I don't know anybody that's been hazed anymore. Those days are over. Uh, but, uh, uh hypothetically, uh, hypothetically on the hazing stuff, you know, hypothetically, sometimes, rookies say stupid stuff and play stupid games and you win stupid prizes. Let's just say that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the hazing is definitely get like it in all seriousness is definitely, uh, a big thing in all the departments well, in town. And maybe, maybe hazing wasn't the right word. Cause I, but I guess what I should have said was the new guys always have to take on the shit jobs, right? Like that you're new, you do yeah. the shit jobs. And, and I mean, it all depends on the crew too. Yeah. Like, yeah, but come on, seriously though, that's any any job. Yeah. When you work at Walmart and you're the new guy but, in the stock room, you have to mop the bathroom. But what, I, but what I was getting, I, I agree with you. But what I was getting at though is, like these new this new generation, they don't even want to do that. Like no. they have, they get hired on by the fire department. They go through the academy, like they go through all the all the work to get hired on as a full fledged firefighter in a pretty reputable department here in california and they get a job riverside's no joke riverside's legit yeah Yeah, like uh, they do like my nephew so he he, he's it's a riverside's a big city but he also gets called out on on wildland firefighters too so they they do everything yep we don't do that in vegas we're like one of the few few cities in like the southwest area on the west coast we don't we don't do wildland that's just not I mean, because one, it doesn't happen here. We live in the desert. Uh, Mount Charleston will catch on fire every once in a while, but they have their own. They have their own. They have their own department up there, and they call BLM and the Forest Service, and they handle it. You know, we'll help with like shuttling water. But yeah, like what you're saying, Brian, is totally true. Uh, I know in my academy, um, day two we had our first guy quit. You know, and it's like it's day two. We haven't even done anything yet. We've been yelled at a little bit. And they made us do some push-ups and run yeah. some towers, you know, but, and I, th- I, a lot of it too is I think this newer generation, um, educationally, and I could be completely wrong cause I'm young and a part of that newer newish generation. But like when I was growing up, like everyone pushed so hard, so hard to go to college and yeah. there's really not that much education for these kids about how awesome like a municipal job is like all the benefits that go along with it they're just not educated in it and you know what and it's not their fault but like the departments in, in at least i can speak for here i don't really know too many departments that are really doing their due diligence in recruiting you know Mm. um so if if we got out there and some, and like a lot of it is our hands are tied with like, with the different cities and the different rules and stuff. Like, like, like a lot of these municipalities have their own like, uh, recruiting rules. 
and with the unions and stuff, that's someone else's job and not really like the fire department's job. So it's kind of like one of those things that is in limbo. So it really doesn't happen. Cause like when I was in high school, I remember like you would see all the military recruiters would constantly come to the, to the school and then college recruiters constantly would come to the school, come to our school, come to our school, the military was telling you how cool it is to go to war and showing you all these badass videos. Like you want to be a pilot, you can be a pilot. (laughs) Like that's not how that works, Johnny, you know? And no one from Metro, no one from any fire department. But I, you know, I wonder, cause I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't think they're recruiting, but at least in my opinion or my experience, it seemed like the fire service was one of those jobs where they didn't ever have to recruit, nope. you know? And you never did, but yeah. back, like going back to the school thing, you know, I would assume 25, 30 years ago, like a lot more people weren't like a lot of people weren't going to college like they are now is is that i get get, get you you know what i'm saying so like going to college i mean either you didn't have the money you didn't have the resources to go to a school there wasn't one in your area so what you do you either learn and if you weren't going to college you learned how to do construction you learned a trade you know being a fireman is a trade you know, so it's very similar. It, I mean, it's a sophisticated it's, trade, but it is it very is, similar. To, it is very, it is yeah. just like being a, just like being a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter. It's the same thing. You know, you go, you go to school for, you go to school, get your EMT, you know, you can get some fire stuff done from your local community college. And then you get hired into the Academy, which is like being in, a, in starting your apprentice program. And you do that for a full year. You go through the Academy for six months And then you go on probation, which is like field training, if you will, you know, you get assigned to a crew and you're there for six months. And that whole process is your first full year on the job is all gearing you up to be what you would say a journeyman, if you will, fireman, you know, so it's kind of goes back to like, it, it models those trades and even the trades are suffering right now. Like you're not seeing people that are like beating down the door to be an electrician. And those guys make like $45, $50 an hour on some of these big union jobs. Yeah. Great money. But I read an article, I read an article the other day that was talking about this exact same thing. And they said that male young males nowadays, that gap that you're talking about, you know, 20 years ago, you know, not everybody went to college. You went to the, the IT technical Institute, whatever. Right. Like you're talking about. Um, and they said that like males today, young males today are more apt to live in their mom's house their mom and dad's house um, until they're like 28 years old, you know, and whether they're going to college or not, they're holding out for like, it's like a uncle, uh, the, the uncle guy on a, on a Christmas vacation where he's like, I'm holding out for a management position, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And like, it's just like that difference for young males, like the, the masculinity of American men is not only is it being attacked, but, but it's being taught or, or I don't know if taught's the word, but these young men are like, we're being told that it's okay not to be, you know, a provider and not to go, whether or not you're married, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that it's okay to like live at home. Whereas when I was, you know, when I was 19, 18 years old, I couldn't wait to get out of the house. Like, you know, your family was saying, if you're not going to go to college, you got to get a job. 
and yeah. you got to go get your own apartment, you know, and there, and there's a time limit and other things, you know, it's, it's, it is part of a, I mean, I hate to get on that soapbox, but it's part of a crumbling, you know, part of our economy and not economy, but our, our social, you know, our social well-being here in America, you know, it's, yeah. and honestly, like my personal opinion, uh, I think a lot of it now for like the generation of kids, I, I'm the begin. I think I'm the beginning of that, like what you're talking about, that generation, you know, of kids like staying at home. Cause I, I mean, I saw friends that I went to high school with to like, God knows what they're doing. Yeah. I like, you know, I've been a fireman for almost in the fire service for going on seven years now. And I don't know what they've done since high school. Some of them are still in college. We've been graduated for 10 lots years. Of, lots of people go to college for 10 years. They're yeah. called doctors, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not going to med school. I tell you yeah. that much because I'd see them in the hospitals. I'll tell you what it was. It, it, I'll tell you, and I'm going to sound really old now, but it, I blame it on um, on Sony and Xbox. And, Dude, uh, I was just <laughs> going to say that. The, and you know what? And, it, and social media. Instagram, yeah. Dude, don't Facebook, get us started. Don't get Brian and I this, started on that, that one. And I, you know, I think a lot of these, these kids nowadays see these influencers and think like, oh, well, look at Logan and Jake Paul, they're brothers, they're making millions, you know, and everyone thinks that that's going to be what they want to do when they yeah. grow up. And it's like, hey, man, that's like being a professional athlete, like it doesn't happen for everybody. Not everybody gets that lucky, you know. Dude, I, I have a sixteen-year-old. I have an eighteen-year-old son, but when he was sixteen or fifteen, is when uh, Fortnite first hit the ground. Uh-huh. And, I don't even you know, know how to play that game. I think it's I don't like, either. Is that like Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. And and there's this guy that was on YouTube playing. His name's Ninja. And oh, was, the streamer. Yeah, yeah, he was making millions. And so I have yeah. a, like a fifteen-year-old son who actually was really good at the game. He actually won some local tournaments and was like one win away from coming to some like EA sports thing, you know, championship. But he swore to me, like, this is his life. And like, he can do this forever and he's going to make millions. Well, and I'll say it, he's a high school dropout and he's 18 years old now trying to get his GED and works at an oil change place. Like, it's it's not happening for everybody. And I'm like, you know what? God bless Ninja. Like, yeah. if you can make a million bucks playing a video game, do it. But yeah, like, but you know what? for the a hundred million kids that were thinking they could do it too, you know, it's like it's it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, and but like I said, look it. I thought that I was going to be the next Derek Jeter, but guess what? There's only one of him. There's only one Ninja. There's only one LeBron James. Yeah. There's only one Michael Jordan. Like there's only one of these dudes, you know, not everybody is going to be, and don't get me wrong. Like I don't want to discount the hard work that some of these people put into these things, you know, sports or whatever their craft is, because trust me, I get it. Like I get what, what it's like to work hard and bust your ass for something. You know, I did it for baseball. I had to do it for the fire department. So I respect the grind, but you got to, there's, there's gotta be a point in time where you just have that hard look in the mirror and you say, listen, man, maybe this, this isn't going to cut out and it's time to do something different. You know, I think, so, I think you're onto something with the social media though. Cause it, I just read something the other day where they were saying that the, the TikTok algorithm in China shows people science and technology 
and education related posts. And then the algorithm here in the U S shows it's more social justice. Like, I mean, I don't want to get too far into it, but it's basically trying to show American men that it's okay not to be a man. But if you go to China on TikTok, it's, you have to be manly, you have to be educated. You have to, you know, you want to learn science, you want to learn technology. And and here we're telling our kids that two plus two doesn't necessarily have to equal four. It's like, yeah, wait, what? <laughs> so I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that social media is a bigger, I think it's a way bigger problem than anybody wants to admit to. And maybe, maybe people are starting to catch on. I, I don't know, but it's. Yeah. But definitely to get back to our original, I know we got sidetracked there, for no, no. Hot, but back to the original thing, like what your nephew or was her nephew, right? Yeah. Nephew. Yeah. Nephew was saying about people getting hired. It, it's a hundred percent. We're having the same problem here. And like, honestly, it, as like as hard as it sounds to say it out loud at the end of the day, people just don't want to work hard. And, you know, you look at a firefighter and like the job, you look at like all the cool shit that we do and the awesome station life and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. That's like all the, the like Hollywood side of the job, if you will, but not too many people are seeing all the nasty shit that we have to see and all the disgusting calls that we go on yeah. and the fire, like uh, newsflash fire still hot. It doesn't matter. Like <laughs> that hasn't changed. Yeah. And we live in Las Vegas, you know, it's 115 outside and we're out there in an extra 80 pounds worth of gear that is, has zero ventilation yeah. and you're it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard work, you know? So People, people will get on the job and they'll get in the academy. And it sucks to see, man, because there's, there might be a guy that gets hired, you know, and he scored a 98 on the test and he got in the academy, but the dude who scored an 85 on the test missed it by one spot. And now that guy quit. And the dude who got an 85 might've been an explorer and worked and had an awesome like resume and missed out on that guy's spot just for no reason. And now that mm-hmm. guy gave it up, you know, and honestly, like my personal opinion about, about like them, like weeding out in the Academy, you honestly rather see that than yeah. because once they get on the floor, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to uh, justify, you know, cause they, they pass the basic stuff. So it's hard to justify, you yeah. know, and then if, if once they get off probation, you're, you're, with that guy for the next 30 years, you know, that's yeah. what our, well, and, and you're not talking about, you're talking about situations where somebody could get hurt. So yeah. it's, and that's, that's what it is. You know, yeah, you have to depend on each other. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, it's very different than an office job. You know, like yeah. we do, we do have a decent amount of downtime. You know, we're not, we work for 48 hour shifts, but it's some days it's 48. It feels like it's 48 hours worth of work, but you know, it's like anything else, you know, you have that downtime and everyone like you, sure that guy might be awesome dude to hang out with and and a good dude but when it's time to like get to work and we're working together on a fire and you each 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 person's got to pull their weight you know and god forbid god forbid it hasn't happened in the city in the whole vegas area for for a long time but god forbid someone goes down in an actual emergency situation and that guy can't pull his weight yeah you know yeah then someone's got to go make that notification. And I, I think that's, that's the fear, you know, it's that, that these departments get so in the police departments too, they get so desperate for bodies 
that they end up pushing people through the system that have no right to be a fireman or a policeman and the quality of work suffers, you know, mm-hmm. and I, that's, and unfortunately, like it's, it's a business at the end of the day, yeah. it's just like it, and it, it hurts to say it cause I'm a part of it, you know, but it's just like you're running an accountant, an accounting firm. Yeah. If you need six accountants to do audits and people's finances and you only have three, like you got to find three other people to sit in those chairs and get some of the work done. Yeah. You know, same thing goes for us. You know, we have vacancies. People are getting force hired and mandatory left and right because we just don't have the personnel right now. And so that just increases the workload on everybody else, causing burnouts and injuries and this and that. Yeah. And the list goes on and on, you know, but it, it's a struggle. And it, I think personally, it all goes back. I think if, if we could figure out and get together with the cities and the counties and all that stuff and get a better recruiting method, I think a lot of that, that would go a long ways, you know, because a lot of people it's, it's a quiet, it's a quiet service. The fire service is very quiet unless you directly want to be involved in it or know somebody in it. It, you, it's hard to find too much information. This isn't the Navy SEALs where guys are writing books left and right about, how yeah. awesome their career was, you know, yeah. there's, there's YouTube videos about the fire service, but you know, and it's starting to get bigger and bigger, but it's not like the military where you can type in. Uh, Navy, like I keep saying Navy seals, but cause I, I just watch a lot of their shit, but Navy seal and you find a thousand videos about what yeah. they do, you know? So I don't, I don't know, maybe someone, someone will get on that and change it or do something to make it better. But I think so, the information just needs to get out there. So if you have some suggestions, I mean, for, for maybe a young listener or somebody out there that wants to become a firefighter, like what resources are out there and what things should they do? I know that in my experience, um, like the EMT certification prior to trying to get into an Academy, like talk about that a little bit, like what should people you know, what resources are out there to learn and, and what should they be learning and what certification should they be getting to try and get into a fire department? So I'm really familiar, obviously, with uh, the system in Las Vegas, and I have a gist of, of California. So I can speak on those two um, with a little bit of knowledge, a lot of knowledge in Vegas, a little bit of California. But for Vegas, the area, so you have to have your EMT certification, whether that's your EMT basic or advanced EMT prior to even starting the academy. You, you have to be 18 years old. You have to have your driver's license because you have to drive the ambulance and you have to have your EMT or advanced EMT. Those are the three big things to even start in the academy. If you don't have one of those three, you're out. Before You could get 100% on the test and be the chief's son. If you're 17 or you don't drive, or you don't have your EMT, you're not going to get hired because you have to have all three of those to do the job every single day. So in Vegas, that's the basics that you would need to get hired. You know, um, in Vegas, there's the College of Southern Nevada. They have a fire science program. And in that program, you can get your firefighter one, which is a certification. It's not a degree. It's a certification program. And basically what that is, is kind of the very, very basic entry-level skills and knowledge of being a firefighter. So it's a four-part class, if I remember right. You have, to ha- you have to have your EMT, like that is part of the cert. 
So you have to have your EMT and this search series, you can go, you can miss mishmash your way through it, through the college. It doesn't matter what order, unless they've changed it. When I went through, it didn't matter what order you did it. So like I did my EMT and my intro to fire science class at the same time. And then you have to do like a actual firefighter one. It's called firefighter one class, which they teach you about building construction and fire, like actual fire science and water distribution systems and all the stuff that you'll see hose, all that stuff. They basically teach you all the basics in that class. And it's a classroom sit down like portion of that. And then you go in uh, an additional class that you do after that is the outside hands-on skills part. So that class um, is like, it's one day a week, but they run it like a mini academy. Obviously it's a college class and people are paying to be there. So, you know, they PT a little bit and then they throw ladders, pull hose, they fight some fire at the end of the class, like once their skills are all up and it's basically prepping you for an academy. So if you could get those two certs, your advanced, I would say your advanced DMT and your firefighter one before you started in the academy, you would be in like, like top of the class. I wouldn't say top of the class for everybody, but you would be a step ahead of just Joe Schmo with nothing, you know, because you've, you've had some hands-on training. You kind of have an idea. You're not an expert by any means, but you have a little bit of an idea of what's going on um, with pulling hose and all that stuff. Uh, now you're just learning what your department like SOPs and their methods of doing that. So those are the two things in Vegas that you would need. Uh, once you go through an academy on any of the departments here, you graduate and you get your firefighter two, which is that journeyman certification, if you will, of, of being a firefighter. So that's what you, that's the process, that's the process, like the thousand foot view of like what you do in town. Um, in town, there's a few spots you can go, and I probably won't hit them all, but CSN does their EMT. There's a place called JMT, I'm pretty sure. Or no, they just changed it. North American Rescue is that they do an EMT class, and then there's the EMS Training Center of Southern Nevada. So those are the three big ones that I know of. Um, I know AMR, if you get hired by them as an, as an EMT, they will pay for you to get your advanced and promote you through their thing. But I think you got to sign like a contract with them because they pay for your schooling. And then if you get, if you break that contract, you got to pay them back. So there's other ways to like get it done. Um, there's also, if you're younger, like the younger kids, 25 and under, um, there's explorer programs in town. So the city of Las Vegas, Las Vegas fire and rescue, they have an explorer program. Clark County has an explorer program. North Las Vegas has one. And so does Henderson. So if you're a kid in high school or fresh out of high school, you can look up like I live in Henderson, you know? So if I had a kid like their training centers, 10 minutes away from my house, it'd be easier to drive him there than it would be across town unless you work for that department or you have ties to that department. That's kind of how like people choose on which one they're all great. And they all prep you to get into their department, but all the explorers, it doesn't matter. I don't want to say all, but most the explorers, once they get on into an Academy, they all have success. Most of the time they're some of the guys in the top. Of the That's class. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how much, how much of this is, is state specific? I mean, let's, 
hypothetically, say someone's out of state and they wanted to come to Nevada. I mean, could they start taking these classes in their home state and then yeah. transfer some of that? Okay. Yeah. So uh, like for the EMT stuff, there's the National Registry of Emergency Medical Technicians. It's okay. NREMT. They they are like a national certificate. So that that's your certification. So NREMT, either you're an NREMT or an NRAEMT or an NREMT paramedic. Mm-hmm. So those are like the three different levels. Um, that's your certification. And then each city, town, state, county, whatever municipality you go to, whatever area you go to, they'll have their own licensing process. So I'm, I know that ours is through the Southern Nevada health district in Southern Nevada. So like all of the, all of us first responders, whether you work private, public or municipality, it doesn't matter. We're all licensed through the Southern Nevada health district. Okay. So my card just has my department name on it. So whatever entity you work for, it just has that entity on there. So you could get your certification. I could have went to school in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, and got my, my national registry for my EMT and moved to Vegas, showed that cert to the department, they would accept it. And then I would have to go through the licensing process, which they do. Every entity in Southern Nevada will put you through that on their own. You don't have to seek that at all. They'll, they'll handle it like either in your Academy or like for AMR and MedicWest, they'll do it like in your, uh, in processing part of like your onboarding. That's interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So, but like for California, uh, California is a little different. I know a lot of, um, a lot of the big departments, they'll do their own Academy, but a lot of the smaller departments, uh, there's so many junior colleges and community colleges in California that run their own fire academies. So like Rio Hondo is a big one. Um, They do like their own fire academy. So like you can go to their fire academy and all their fire certs are California state fire certifications that are special to California. So like if I brought my certs over, like some departments might take them, some departments may not because mine are through IFSAC, which is just another certifying agency, you know? So if that department accepts that, that search series or certified search series or whatever, then they'll take my certs. But some departments, they're like, no, we want the California state firefighter one, firefighter two. So you have yeah. to okay. seek, seek somewhere that you can either get reciprocity or you have to go through the, the course all over again. Well, yeah. if anyone's listening, I would strongly advise not getting a job in California because California is a disaster. <laughs> go work in Nevada, go work anywhere else. Well, if we like California, California on fire, then, uh, then well, the great firefighters of California could put it out and hopefully, well, uh, it has been on fire for the last I know, six months. It's crazy. It's on- rough down there when those, those brush fires kick up. Well, I shouldn't even make a joke about it. Those, I mean, in, in all seriousness though, like Northern California, there were entire cities that got wiped out. I mean, it's yeah. horrible. Like there, there were a couple of fires where, I mean, there was something like, I think 80 people died, 89 people died. It was just horrible. People yeah. are losing I mean, their houses. People, it's nuts. People want to say that like, the sh- I'm a structure fire guy. I don't do wildland. I did it at the, at my last job. I did it. You know, I tell you what they want to say, Oh, you guys, structure guys are the heroes and blah, 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 all this shit about structure. Those wildland guys yeah. are bad dudes, man. Yeah. They are bad dudes. I like, unless you do that work, like you can't, 
don't talk about those guys because those are some bad dudes. They are yeah. tough as nails. You want to talk about hard work? Yeah. Those dudes hike in miles and miles and miles with those 45, 50 pound, essentially a rucksack, you know, yeah. and then God forbid they get into a shitty situation. All they have is essentially a tinfoil blanket to hide under yeah. in the dirt and pray to God that they don't die. You yeah. know, like those guys are bad dudes. So well, yeah, that was, I mean, I, I got, I got nothing but respect yeah. and mad props to those guys. They, a lot of them, because a lot of that work also is seasonal. What people don't understand is that's seasonal work. So yeah. those guys are part-time. Like they don't, they're not full-time employees. Some of them aren't full-time employees of those departments. They go out there, they work the fire season and yeah. then they get put on unemployment well, in the off season. You know, the crazy thing is a lot of the, up until recently, a lot of that wildland firework was done by inmates in the California yep. prison. Yep. And, and it still is. A lot of it well, still is. It, it was, except Gavin Newsom emptied the prison so much that a lot of those fire crews don't exist anymore because there, oh, there aren't okay. any inmates left. Really? So, yeah, like it, that's how dumb that guy is. And that's a whole other topic. But I mean, for, say what you want about the inmates. The, the fire program that they had was one of the better things that the prison did only because those guys, I mean, they got out early. So they, they had an incentive, but they did them. Even, even though they were inmates, they did amazing work. I mean, they were out there oh, yeah. alongside the fire. You know what? Like, Mad respect to those dudes too. You know, they fucked up. Obviously they're yeah. in prison for whatever reason, but you know what? Like a lot of those guys, like that gives them purpose. Yeah. It, turn, it, like, it helps them turn the life around for sure. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? There's a lot of companies that are private contract, not private. I guess they are private contractors, but they hire a lot of those dudes. Like they run those crews yeah. and when those guys get out of jail, they, that, so that they have work still, you know, yeah. because it get it, it gives them stuff to do. It gives them, you know, they're, whether they're on parole or what, mm -hmm. I don't know, like I've never been in prison, thank yeah. God, but yeah. it gives them, well, it gives them something to look forward to when they get out yeah. to where they're not going back to their old life of getting in trouble. Well, not, until the, not until we're released this podcast episode. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then they're well, going to come find me and be like, Hey kid. <laughs> so what's up? Some of those dudes, they probably saved my house. Cause a, a couple years ago we had a, like there's a kind of mountain range that kind of goes alongside where my house is and the entire mountain range was on fire. It was nuts. I mean, it looked like a war zone, it, like the fire just burned kind of North to South. And I mean, between the aircraft and the firefighters that were up in the Hills, I don't think, I think like a couple of like barns burned down or something, but nobody's house was lost. It was, it was incredible. And then I, I got some pictures, you know, who else has got fucking giant balls too? the, uh, the guys that fly the aircraft that dropped the fire retardant. Yep. Like, I have a, a picture of a DC-10, which if anyone knows what a DC-10 is, it's one of the huge commercial aircraft that has you know, three engines. I was looking down on this thing because I was up on the hill and this guy, maybe it was a girl, I don't know, but the pilot flew beneath me into this canyon, into the smoke and the flame to drop the retardant on the fire as, as it was advancing. I mean, it's nuts. Like those guys flying the helicopters and the airplanes that they fly into the fire. Like there's no visibility. They're flying into the smoke. I mean, I don't think people realize how difficult that is. Like it, it truly incredible. Like you said, I mean, yeah. those guys are, they're humping through the, the hills. Um, it's not only is it summertime, it's also 150 degrees or whatever. Cause you're, you're walking into a fire, you know, yep. it's, and then those fires, yeah. like a lot of those big fires create their, their own weather systems. Yeah. So 
sure. Like if you're not directly by the fire and you're in Cali, you know, it's 75 degrees, beautiful California weather. Well, guess what? That in the fire where those guys are actually working, it's like you said, hundred plus degrees, smoke everywhere. You can't breathe. You can't see because the smoke's just burning your eyes. Yeah. It's man. I did it. I did that for four years at my old de- department and at the test site. Yep. Yep. We did it there. So yeah. they, uh, cause it's a, it's a federally protected base essentially. Yeah. So we would get, get those big fires up there and we would be first on scene. If it got big enough, we would call in like mutual aid and stuff and BLM and the forest service right. would come out and help us out, you know, and that happened a few times while I was out there, but initially it's just us, you know, and you're out there hiking your ass off yeah. digging in the dirt, like fires, been fires meant to be put out with water, not shovels. Yep. So that's, <laughs> that's why I, so, I made so, the decision to not do that. I got gotcha. longer. So I have to ask though, cause one of my, one of the things that I'm into, I, I love books about the cold war and everything else. And the Nevada test site played a huge part. Uh-huh. in the cold war and all the things that, I mean, this is off topic a little bit, but I got, I got to ask, I mean, when you're out there, do you ever, do you ever see anything like super cool that you can talk about or was it only, do you have to uh, sign a lot of paperwork saying I did have to sign some, some non-disclosure stuff when okay. I left. I'm pretty sure everybody does. I was never like, I never, I, I had a clearance, but not like top secret or anything crazy like that. I, okay. I mean, I got on and off the site. Okay. But, Dude, honestly, like, and it's going to sound like a bullshit answer. And you're probably not going to like it, but everything that I know you can easily find on the internet. Okay. So like, if you just typed in the Nevada test site, yeah. like everything you want to know about it, what they're doing, their mission, the buildings, pictures, oversight, okay. craters, this, that, the next, like you'll find everything on Google. All there's right. no more, there's no secrets about that place. You know, I'm sure there is that I don't know. I can't tell you, like, I don't know, like, exactly what they're testing. You know, I, I know the you. mission of the test site is to make sure that the, if God forbid we went into a nuclear war and the president had to hit the red button and send off a nuke, like, the mission of the test site is to say that it will be effective. So, obviously, there's nuclear weapons probably going on and off site so that they're testing the plutonium and uranium and all the crazy stuff that those are made out of. So, I mean, we we would see like some convoys, but you would never know what was in the trucks. They everything a lot of stuff out there is like need to know basis. Yeah, you know? Okay. So if we were if they were to have an accident, we would know a lot more. But when I was out there, we never had okay anything like we had a we had calls and stuff, and people would get in accidents constantly. But it wasn't like a nuclear bomb went off on yeah. accident and like right. we had to go clean up like Chernobyl. The know, alien, like, the alien didn't get out and light the I never saw, it, never saw an alien, but it is fun. It is fun to tell people like, yeah, you know, I'm from the test site, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh, the aliens. I'm like, yeah, dude, you <laughs> think it's hard starting IVs on people. Try starting an IV on an alien. That yeah. shit is hard. That's yeah, why. Did I'm you know that. that the aliens, uh, uh, capillaries and, and veins are in their butt. We had to give yeah. them a <laughs> <laughs> rectal. So what has been the craziest? Can you tell us like, what's the craziest fire story? Um, my craziest fire, probably, uh, it was a suicide fire, which is crazy to say. Like, oh, so geez. people obviously are insane. You know, and it's so funny. We we're just talking about aliens. This guy would probably believe that like UFOs and aliens were a thing. So we get called. It's for like a, it comes out as a garage fire 
some, someone thought that there was like an explosion in the garage, like fireworks. I think it was, it was in the summertime. Um, I don't remember if it was in July. I, it was years ago, but, uh, so we get to this house, the garage is on fire. We get there. I was on the truck company. So, um, engines go inside and spray water trucks go to the roof and cut holes and make sure that like all the hot smoke and gas can get out. They do ventilation, ladders, lights, stuff like that. So I didn't go until the end to do like some overhaul, which is like cleanup essentially. So, uh, we get there and as the guy on the truck company, I'm starting chainsaws, getting ready to go to the roof to cut the hole in the roof so that the guys inside can see where they're going. Cause you want to get all that smoke and heat and gas, all that hot fire gas out of the building through ventilation. And the best way to do it is just cut a big eight foot hole in the roof, you know? So that's what we were getting ready to do. Um, but they go inside and there's, they make a report that there's two bodies, obviously deceased. Um, so we get, get it, get it all put out. Long story short, we go inside to help with overhaul and we're like, man, it's still hot in here. Like what's going on? Well, we, we get some fans of the door and start blowing out the house. And we notice that the entire house, and I'm not bullshitting you, the entire house, floor to ceiling, roof, everything is covered in tinfoil. And we're like, wow, look like, so it was weird. Like you don't see that every day. So that obviously the tinfoil was keeping in a lot of the heat, you know, we, we ventilated it and it was getting out, but it was still, it was still more hot than it is usually when you like put a fire out, it's still obviously going to be hot, but it was just a little bit extra. So we go in there. Well, come to find out like after we, we saw like, so the guy had killed his wife, I, who we thought his wife was and himself laying in bed with the gun on their chest still. The whole house is covered in tin foil, and like they, they must have believed in aliens. They they even killed their dog, which is super sad. So, uh, oh, that's terrible. So what he did was he to start the fire. He lit his cars on fire. So he started his his he had a Tacoma, I think, in the garage. And it's crazy because what helped put the fire out the most was they made a renovation to their house. They took. Um, PVC, which is just plastic pipe. And they ran an exterior, uh, like hose, hose, uh, hose valve. So in doing that, it, they tapped into the copper, ran a PVC extension to the outside, the exterior off of the, uh, one on the inside. And what happened was it got so hot that the PVC melted. So water started free flowing in the garage. So it helped put the car fire yeah. out. So we got there, they put the fire out, went inside, checked for extension and all that. We went inside and did some overhaul on the truck and that's when we found it. And it was nuts, dude. Like very basic, like the grand scheme of things like of the fire was very basic, nothing like crazy. But just once you got inside and you were like, what? It, like, it was like you're in a third dimension, you know, <laughs> like, per, like these people were crazy, like tinfoil everywhere. Obviously the two burned up dead people in the back bedroom so it was just wild. Like, did you ever, ever figure out what, what their deal was? Like, what their motive was? Nope. No. They we we just knew it was murder murder suicide, and then they they tried to burn their house down. So, jeez, wow. that's crazy. Yeah, that's probably been like the craziest fire. I mean, I've been on way bigger fires than that. Two alarm fires where like multiple structures burned down and and stuff like that since, but. 
like just like the weirdness like i thought that one was like, like that's just not one, that's, yeah like that's just not one you see all every day you know so it, really it wasn't that crazy of a fire but mm. just the story behind it of like the tinfoil on the roofs and tinfoil every, like every literally like everything was covered in tinfoil countertops the roof the floor oh wow the windows were you couldn't find a window because it was covered in tinfoil like it was nuts so oh that sounds yeah, yeah crazy. it definitely made things a little bit more difficult obviously you're like in a dark house searching searching for windows because you want to open up the windows to get the heat out of there you know was invent the structure but it's kind of hard you're just like powers like pounding on the wall like yeah where's the window yeah, yeah. So, so i know you got i know you got some stuff going on at uh at your at your uh command the um with uh the crossfit and the workout talk talk yeah. a little bit about the barbell deal yeah so uh we're uh so like i said i'm buddies with uh some guys on fdny and they have their fdny barbell club and uh so talking to them and and doing some CrossFit stuff in that space, you know, they're kind of motivated us to get involved and, and try to set one up here. So, you know, what we were like, screw it, we'll do it. Like, can't be that hard, you know? So we started the Las Vegas firefighters barbell club. Um, it's not specific to any department. It's going to be all inclusive to everybody in Southern Nevada. That's firefighters. Uh, they have 10,000 guys to be on their barbell club. We, right. <laughs> kind of like right around three so we got slim pickings compared to those guys but uh yeah you know the goal is to get the get the guys and girls together you know once a month a couple times a month at local gyms and uh just get some fitness in you know it's it it's designed to kind of be crossfit based you know because that's kind of the methodology that we've seen that works really well for the job that we do but uh you know, if people don't want to do CrossFit and they want to do their bodybuilding stuff or they want to do powerlifting or Olympic lifting, whatever they want to do, you know, as long as you can do it in the gyms that we, we lock down and everyone's welcome. So that's kind of the, the mission is to just get everybody together, you know, do some fitness, talk about, talk about the fitness space, you know, cause we're just trying to be healthy and, uh, you know, they, they call like firefighters, cops and military, like tactical athletes, you know, so we're just trying to be ready. You know, it sucks. You know, you see LeBron James and all these guys, like we watched all the football games yesterday. Uh, all these dudes, you know, they're making millions and they get to do their sport. Well, they get to warm up and shit before, before they get out there and perform. Guess what? At two o'clock in the morning when I'm dead asleep and those tones go off, there's no warm up you just show up and you're, you're expected to perform like those guys are because your kid or your mom or your dad might be inside for us to go, to go rescue. So it's, I, I think I, I find that I find the fitness and the health, like it's pretty important to me. You know, I got on the job and I was fat and out of shape and uh, I had some senior guys sit me down and say, listen, man, you're young. You shouldn't be getting outworked by some of these senior dudes, you know, and that really hit home. It really did. And I'm not saying that I'm, some stud most in shape guy in the department. Cause I'm by far not, I'm not even close, but you know, we work at it. And, uh, I think that's just what everybody wants to do is keep working at it and just be fit and ready, ready to do the job, you know, because that's what's, that's what the community expects. You know, they don't want someone showing up 
there's a, there's a big firefighter brand fit to fight fire. And they have the, like one of their slogans is, would you want you rescuing yourself? Yeah. And yep. you know, I've seen that. that yeah. You see that and you really look in the mirror and you're like, man, God damn, I better go work out because yeah. <laughs> if grandma Sue saw me walk through the door, she wouldn't have some, she wouldn't have some confidence. You know, you know, you want to have the community have confidence. And that's why we kind of like with the barbell club, we're going to be going around to a bunch of the different CrossFit gyms in, in the Vegas area, you know, and working out with the community and uh, just getting our faces out there. And so they can see us, you know, and who knows, maybe like we were talking earlier with the recruiting stuff, maybe there's some young kid in there working out and he sees us all working out and it sparks some interest, you know, at least he's working in the right direction. He's in a gym and he's getting fit, you know, right. So right. He's doing something, you know, but uh, yeah, that's kind of our goal right now. We've got uh, on, on our department, we got the rock and roll marathon half marathon is what they're doing this year. They're not doing the full. So the rock and roll half marathon is February 27th. We got like 35 guys participating, you know, uh, some, how far some, is that? 13, 13.1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 13.1. So I'm doing that. It'll be the farthest I've ever ran in my life. So been training for that. Haven't really been doing too much of the CrossFit stuff lately. Uh, just been strictly running and doing, getting ready for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean the CrossFit opens about to start next month. So we're hoping to get, uh, get a thing together with our barbell club where we do like a Friday night lights type deal where we go down to one of the stations that's got a pretty good CrossFit gym esque setup in the Bay and hopefully videotape it and put it on our Instagram and, and all that stuff and try to get our name out there and try to grow this thing. I mean, those, the brothers in FDNY, they're doing, doing a hell of a job, you know, they got, they've been, a, they've been a club for three years now. They started in 2019 and, you know, they're huge in CrossFit. Uh, Rick Roman and Sasha Gomez are the two guys, the president and the vice president, and they're really crushing it out there. And Rick and I are pretty close friends and uh, he's, man, he's hustling. They've got, uh, they're doing uh, cops first firemen uh, in the open this year. So the CrossFit is doing like an occupational division for the CrossFit games this year. And, uh, in the, if you guys aren't familiar, they have the CrossFit open is like the pre preliminary competition. So you start to qualify for the games. You have to do the open. Well, they do it like a big announcement once a week. So they put out one workout a week. You have the full five days or six days or whatever to get the workout done and submit your score. Well, on Fridays is usually when they, announce the open workout. So they typically have two like heavy hitter CrossFitters that were in the games the year prior. They will essentially demo the workout and do it. And this year, uh, Rick has got his barbell club. They're going to do it after the pros. So the two pros are going to go and do it oh, and then cool. CrossFit, they videotape it and put it on their YouTube and all that stuff. And he's got one of his firemen and one of the policemen on NYPD they're going to go head to head this year and do it as the tactical tactical athletes. And his barbell club is the one, uh, he really paved the way and got that going. That's pretty so, awesome, man. We're kind of riding on their coattails, you know, like the little brothers. So, but Hey, our, our, our overall goal is maybe to do like an East coast versus West coast thing, you know, have them come out to Vegas or because who doesn't love Vegas? All those guys love yeah, us. And you so. don't, 
I love the city of New York, but I don't want to be there right now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. yeah, uh, till we get till we get through this whole COVID thing. I think. Yeah, yeah. This, so, the city's a little, but I I love the city. So, yeah, and you know those guys, it gives them an excuse to come on vacation. Some of those dudes have never been out here. So, yeah, let's get them out here. We've, we've had uh, we've had some talks, like some preliminary talks about what we our vision is and. I don't know if it'll happen this year, but maybe in the years coming, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. But I know, I know for sure it will happen. So East coast versus West coast, we'll be on the lookout for that. Is there a, do you have an Instagram page for your club up? Uh, it's not officially up yet, but when it it does come up, it'll be uh, Las Vegas firefighters barbell club. Perfect. Keep an eye on that listeners. Keep checking Instagram for that. So you can support these guys. Yeah. So we'll get that up and we'll probably do like a athlete of the week, you know, where we we're spotlight spotlighting all the guys around town that are really grinding and crushing it, you know, because a lot of that work like doesn't get seen. So everyone sees us on the news, you know, whether it's positive or negative us doing either something good or something bad with the union stuff. And, you know, we want, we want the community to see like all the work that goes into our final product. So yeah, Makes sense. Because it's a lot, man. It's it's a grind, you know. Me and me and my old lady, we uh we have a pretty pretty good garage gym that we've got set up at home and we work out five, six days a week, most days or most weeks. So unless we're traveling. But it's awesome. Very yeah, cool. it's, it's good. It's good stuff. We uh we really like the we really like the competition, you know. It keeps it keeps things interesting for sure when you have have some goals and something you're competing for. I mean, obviously the main goal is to stay fit for work. <laughs> so like I said earlier, you don't want to be the one that's out of shape. So, and it's a competition with, with your crew, you know, you, you guys are in a fire. You don't want to be the first one to run out of air because once one guy's out, you're all out. So you don't want to be that guy, especially if you're the junior guy and being fairly new on the department, most places I go still, I'm, I, I mean, I'm fairly junior, so I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy. <laughs> no. So, but it's good. Uh, yeah, the Barbell Club, that's something new that we're getting started this year. And hopefully by the end of the year, it'll be a pretty big rolling thing. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, keep us updated and we'll uh, we'll definitely post those links on our uh, socials and on, on our website too. So sure. anyone that is looking for it can find it at uh, nothingo.com. Oh, yeah, so for sure. We appreciate it. We've uh, We've kept you for a long time. But uh, we normally like to ask everyone before we uh, before we close out if there was uh, one piece of advice you could give to someone who's looking to make a change in their life, whether it's uh, career or fitness or whatever it may be. You know, what, what's what's your one piece of advice to to get someone to to take that step from zero to one? Um, it's gonna sound crazy. No, sir. Become addicted with something if you wanna. If you want to be a fireman, become addicted with, with fire stuff, go online and, and learn and, and watch all the videos, become addicted with it. If you want to be fit, become addicted with fitness. You know, people look at, at sometimes like looking at addiction as a negative word, yeah. but if you look at some of these guys like Rich Froning, who's one of the greatest CrossFitters, Matt Frazier is the greatest CrossFitter of all time. You know what? He was addicted to CrossFit and he yeah. was insanely fit and insanely successful at it. Some of these firefighters that you look at that are addicted to firefighting, they have 
outstanding careers. They're decorated. They, they do everything the right way, you know, because they're addicted to their craft. So sometimes addiction is seen as a negative thing. Well, you can see it as a positive thing. So find something that you're interested in that's positive <laughs> and yeah, yeah. become addicted to it. I, I like think it. that that would be uh, something that I'd give my advice to and, and work hard and, and just grind away and whatever you, you think you want to do, you could be successful if you do those two things. I love it. It's awesome. I think that's a, a perfect place to end. Um, Sweet. Yeah. No, Christian. Well, I just want to say thank you to you guys. You know, thanks Ben for uh, inviting me no. on. It's our pleasure. I'm glad you were able my, to do it. This is my first podcast. So you guys popped my podcast cherry. <laughs> so uh, glad to do it. We double teamed you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's how we like it. So we got that, got this, the first one out of the way, you know, I was nervous. I was talking to my girls like, man, I've never done this before. I hope I don't sound like an idiot or say something stupid. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, Hey guys, you got to edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I told it. It was, it was a didn't get me in trouble this time. No, no, no worse than anything else we've said. Yeah. Um, But no, it's seriously, it was a real pleasure having you. Thanks for doing it. And uh, you know, of course, thank you for what you do. Of Uh, course. You know, you know, a lot of people, I think, uh, take for granted that someone's going to show up when they call nine on one, you know, and they don't realize yeah. that there's so much more that goes into it than just picking up a phone. You know, there's so many people yeah. behind the scenes that have to work perfectly to, to make that call, you know, yeah. work. So thank yep. you for what you do. And I just want to give a shout out to all those people that keep our, our department rolling. You know, they see us when people call nine one one, they see us, you know, but yeah. they don't realize that there's support guys that are making sure our gear is right and getting us all of our equipment and the mechanics that are making sure our trucks are rolling down the street, you know? So I just want to give a shout out to those guys. Cause sometimes we, we take it for granted, you know, we're out there getting our asses kicked cause we're so fucking busy that we don't realize that those dudes are just as equally as busy in a different way, keeping us out there so that we can respond and help the community out. So I appreciate those guys. Yeah. And, Thank you guys again Likewise. for having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, of course, yeah man. Anytime. Cool. Well, that's a perfect place to end once again. So I will uh, sign off tonight. So Christian, thank you very much. Uh, for uh, Ben, this is Brian signing off for the uh, Methanoke podcast. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.